If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. You just found the world's number one fitness, health, and entertainment podcast. This is Mind Pump. All right, in today's episode, we answered live questions from listeners just like you. But the way we open the episode is with a 53-minute intro where we talk about scientific studies, current events, and we mention our sponsors. Here are some of the things that we talked about in today's episode. We talked about how you can't get fat from protein. We talked about the 850-pound pop brownie. We brought up inflation. We talked about eye drops that can replace reading glasses. I talked about how taking glutathione can improve the pump and give you better muscle gains. By the way, one of the companies that we work with is called uh, Live On. You got to go check them out. They got great glutathione. Head over to liveonlabs.com forward slash mind pump. And there's a discount right on there for mind pump listeners. Then we talked about the trip we took to Arizona to speak to NCI coaches. We talked about the green juice from Organifi. Organifi makes organic vegan-based supplements. One of them is our green juice. I love it. I take it almost every single day. Go check them out. Head over to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash mind pump and use the code mind pump for 20% off. And then we talked about Time Magazine's person of the year. Then we got to the questions. Here's the first one. What are some ways to improve the mind-muscle connection? Here's the second question. Are wrist wraps helpful long-term? The third question, this person wants to know if they should use a weight belt when they work out. And then the final question, are there any proven benefits to taking ashwagandha? Also, all month long, two programs are on sale, both 50% off. The first program is MAPS HIT. That's high-intensity interval training. And the second program is MAPS SPLIT. This is an advanced bodybuilder-style workout program. Both 50% off. If you're interested in learning more or you just want to sign up, head over to mapsfitnessproducts.com and use the code DECEMBER50. That's December 50, no space, for the discount. All right, look, it's almost impossible to gain body fat from eating a lot of protein. All right, guys, let's talk about this for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. I, I remember the first time that um, I kind of figured this out. We've talked we, on the show when... Uh, when we piece together the processed foods, uh, you know, tip, right. Telling clients to stop eating processed foods. And I wish I remember, like, if it was something that I kind of like did myself first, and then I was like, Oh wow, I wonder if this works with clients, but I remember, and, and your baked potato thing that you always talk about, like try eating like four or five baked potatoes with nothing on it. And it's like impossible, yeah. you know, but yet you could crush a bag of potato chips. Uh, proteins, like it's similar that way. If, if you're getting and that, I think that's, that's the, the, the one caveat to that, what you're saying is that if it's uh whole foods that you're getting that protein, cause you could probably get fat off of eating processed foods that are full of protein yeah, or there's that, protein Snickers bars now. So, right. I mean, what are we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, so there's two things to this. One is what you're saying. Protein is extremely satiating. It's really hard to just overeat a lot of protein. Cause it just, you hit a wall. You don't want to eat more. This is what. If you ever talk to anybody who's ever done a carnivore diet, they'll tell you, like, I just, uh, I can't eat anymore. That's the biggest issue is, like, really trying to be able to eat enough calories. It's it's really difficult. You get so full, and uh, it's just, like, it's just too much to where I, I'm not even hungry after yeah. Well, like, do you guys remember when, the calories. when we all went on the ketogenic diet way early on? So before we had, I think it was before we even had Dom on the show, and we were, it was just getting kind of popular. And we did school. a high-protein version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, um, and then we all decided we'd run it. 
and we do it. And I would just happen to be in the middle of like still, I think just wrapping up competing even. You were trying to bulk. Yeah, I was was in a bulk and I was like, okay, well, let's just try and do this. And I remember I just, how hard it was. And that's kind of what made me kind of throw in the towel was, dude, I just, I'm not able to eat 5,000 calories of just proteins and fats. Like you fill up so fast. Yeah, so there's two parts to this. So first off, I do want to be clear. If you eat more calories than you burn, you will gain uh, body yeah, that's fat. science. Right, that's <laughs> science. But here's why I made that statement about protein. One is what we just talked about. It's ex- incredibly satiating, so it's hard to overeat protein in comparison to carbohydrates and fats, But number, especially carbohydrates. But number two, they've done studies where they've bumped people's calories through carbohydrates, fats, or just proteins. And at the end of these studies, what they found is that the, the increase in calories that came from proteins resulted in less fat gain and some muscle gain. That's even if calorie, all things equal? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Now, now here's the speculation. The speculation is, one, protein has this incredible thermic effect. So eating more protein means your body tends to burn more calories. So the, the, you know, the calories in versus calories out, like that rule of thermodynamics, it still stands, right? It's a, it's a rule of physics. But eating a lot of protein tends to change the calories out side of the formula. Eating more of it tends to make your metabolism burn more calories. And then the second part is we all know that, and and again, this is clear in studies as uh, as well, eating a higher protein diet tends to lead to more muscle gain. And what does more muscle do? It burns more calories. So if you're eating a lot more protein versus other, the other macronutrients and your calories are high, you're less likely uh, to gain body fat in comparison to the others. And, or it's going to be hard to eat a lot more when it's just protein. Now, is there still information out there that's like sort of deterring people from this in terms of like the mTOR and like yeah. can- cancer sort of being a scare with that? Yeah, so uh, so mTOR is uh, mammalian target rapamycin. I think I'm saying that right. And this- Because I remember these things. Yeah. It's just, mammalian. Yeah, listen, I don't remember a lot of things. It's funny. <laughs> it's like, uh, I'll be with my family and they'll ask me certain questions. I'll be like, I have no idea. And I'll yeah. remember something random. Or we'll have a meeting, a meeting just, and 30 minutes later he forgets what he's supposed to do afterwards. Uh, completely. <laughs> So, yeah. and it's a skill that's good for podcasting. So thank you, God, for this. this <laughs> help me find this, oh, it's perfect. this career. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so this particular, um, you know, mTOR signals muscle growth, but it drives the growth of a lot of things. If you spike mTOR when you have cancer, you'll probably accelerate the growth of cancer. So people will say things like high protein diets will increase your risk of cancer. Not true. By the way, carbohydrates also feed cancers and even fats in some cases, although not as often can feed some cancer. So there's a difference between a environment where cancer is present and in, and in a healthy environment. In a healthy environment, and by the way, if you have cancer, a lot of things change. There's a lot of things that you need to change and modify. In some cases, they'll put you on hormone-blocking drugs and other things, which, which normally would be a bad thing. So that's the thing to consider. But when you're healthy, in the studies with healthy people, high-protein diets um, are not only perfectly healthy. In fact, a study just came out showing that in older populations – Higher protein diets are connected to lower causes of all to lower risks, excuse me, of all cause mortality. Again, probably because higher protein diets result in in more strength gains or at least strength preservation. And we know now how strongly connected strength is to all cause mortality as you age. The stronger you are when you're older, the less likely you are to die from, you know, from all different causes. Well, this is where that that tip comes from too, where we tell people to eat protein first. So you sit down and you get your yes. your plate instead of filling up on the bread or the chips 
just eat the protein, protein and fats first and then vegetables and then move to like your um, starchy carbs. And many times just by telling somebody the order that they eat like that uh, will limit the amount of carbohydrates and calories that they consume. And it's been like one of those tips that, and it just, it's a, it's a psychological thing too, because you're not telling the client you can't have the carbs or you can't have the chips or you can't have the bread. It's just, Hey, go eat your protein and fats and veggies first, and then go ahead and enjoy that. And many times what ends up happening by the time you get to those, you're just full. Yeah. I think there's also this myth that, and there's some truth to this, that because humans evolved for, for the vast majority of human history where food was scarce, that we evolved to just eat when food is in front of us and we'll just eat ourselves to death. There's a little bit of truth to that, but in reality, but the truth is there's a lot of uh, falseness in that in the sense that our bodies, even back then, had safeguards against uh, overeating because it would have killed you back then just like it does today. Maybe not obesity, that would have been much more difficult to, to, to accomplish, but like overeating and damaging your, your digestive system or causing yourself to feel sick. So, you know, we do this hunt, we kill this animal or we come across this, you know, naturally growing tree with fruit on it. Even it was still detrimental for us to just eat until we made ourselves sick even back then. So we have these natural safeguards and it's satiety and we hit it. But the way we get around it now is we take different flavors and foods and combine them in ways, usually engineer them in ways to make you want to make you eat even more and more to kind of get past that barrier because those barriers that we have evolved with whole natural foods and evolved with where sugar was quite rare. I mean, tell me where you would find sugar in nature, not with like modern agriculture, none of that stuff. If you're- It's fruit. Yeah, fruit, but barely. Yeah. Like you, you might find some berries. Yeah, they're bitter for the most part. Yeah, yeah. or an apple. And apples, apples back then were like full of seeds and, yeah. and lots of fiber. Yeah, I, remember, I remember seeing an article that like compared like a, our fruit today versus fruit just like a hundred years ago. Did you like know how that- dramatically different it you was. You can look at old paintings from the Renaissance like of fruit. bananas and stuff. Yeah, and they're sliced open. Don't even and, look the same. No. Yeah. Bananas are full of seeds. Apples are very little flesh. Uh, you know, fruit was way less uh, packed with sugar. That's just how it occurred in nature. Now we we bred them to make them like super delicious. And so, do you not think that after a, a big hunt back in the days that you you wouldn't gorge out on the food, or you just couldn't because it's all meat that you were consuming, and so because that it it wasn't super palatable, it wouldn't I hijack think would, those systems. I think you definitely would eat until you were satisfied. Because yeah, you definitely would do that. That would be silly. If you don't eat for a week and then finally you get a kill, mm-hmm. everybody is eating as much as they possibly can, probably to until they are almost feel sick. I Yes, but the those barriers, that satiety signal, that uh, palate fatigue, kicked in. So you'd eat and eat and eat. Like man, I can't eat anymore. Now what you what you and this is from looking at studies of modern hunter gatherers, the foods that are uh, prioritized or the parts of the animal that are prioritized tend to be the organs and the fatty parts. Mm-hmm. So we would eat those first. Obviously, the most nutrient dense. Like animal liver is so packed full of nutrients. It's like the nature's right. multivitamin. So we'd eat that first. Eat the fatty parts for, and then all the lean tissue was leaf was left, uh, you know, for later on, or or if it went bad, it went bad. I mean, in fact, there's something called I think I talked about this once on a podcast. I think it's called uh, rabbit starvation, or I think that might be the term. Right. 
This is where trappers trappers up in Alaska, right? Yeah, yeah. or even in, in the West, you know, the meat's long time not fatty enough. Yeah, they would yeah. catch lots of rabbits and they would still, still starve. starve to death you see that on that uh, that alone show. Oh yeah, you've seen that. You've seen. I remember like one of the seasons, the guy got like a buffalo or something, like a really lean animal. No, it was an elk, a moose. A, yeah, and Maybe and, moose the, and the fat know. got stolen. Yeah, by, it like, wasn't a, an elk. It was like a, either a moose or like a buffalo. I or saw something. that. Yeah, it was one of those that are like really lean meats and. You would think that that's enough meat for, I mean, that's enough technically meat for someone to live off of for a year. Uh, and it still wasn't enough for him because I, he ended up, I remember like the Wolverines got his, uh, the, his fat. Li- the fatter, the fat and the liver. And so all he had was this lean meat. And then he was like starving. Yeah. I remember yeah, that. He, he, he literally, he took all the fats and he separated them and put them in this, like, uh, he thought like animals wouldn't get to it. And the freaking Wolverine got to it, stole it all. Yeah. And all he had left was lean meat. How crazy, how Frustrating would that be? Oh, You're going to starve to death that you have all this meat. Yeah, right. and it's right there in front of you. It just makes me think. I mean, how it's just so interesting where we are now where we can select like uh, vegetable-based meats or we can, we can engineer these kind of meats that aren't even from animals. How, how do you even get satiated from that? Yeah. How do you even get that signal? It's like, to me, it's interesting. Like, is it mainly from nuts and from beans? It's like, that's like for like a vegan, like that's gotta be really difficult to ever feel like you're fully so satisfied. You ever seen the, the ingredient list on the like, beyond Meat? Doug, maybe you should pull this well, it's up. It's all like vegetable oils and, and there's like 50 ingredients. Yeah, in no, it's crazy. It's there's like, a bunch super, of things it's like yeah. super now, science. How, how long do you think you need to be like monk like before you become in tune naturally to those systems? Cause they're there still. Right. Like, and I feel like we talk about all the time about trying to become aware of those natural signs that your body's trying to tell you, no, don't eat this or you're full already. Like, you know, how long do you think it's for somebody who has like no connection at all to them and distracted all the time? Like, how long would they have to be like monk like to get reconnected to them? I think it's a constant practice, dude. Because, well, it is because you're, 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 you're taking taking insults from the the opposite side, right? The TV, the phone, the, you know, stress, work, like. And then you've got all this incredible food, all around you and it's super tasty and exp- inexpensive and really easy to get. I think it's a constant practice, dude. This is, is like, there, a- is there, is there stuff to support like people who live like in rural areas versus in like cities that would are technically would used be- to be not anymore. It used to be that way because rural areas didn't have access, but now our markets are so damn effective that people are obese everywhere. In fact, in certain cities, people are less obese because the cities were designed before cars were invented. So people yeah, have to so walk. walk around everywhere. Yeah. So it's like, doesn't matter, dude, where you're at now, you're going to be, you're, you've got this food accessible and yeah. you're going to, and it's, it's going to be a problem. It is a problem. So yeah. yeah, let me, let's look at this ingredient list, Doug, when he pulls it up. What is, what does that show here? Let's see. Water, pea protein, expellopressed canola oil, coconut oil, rice protein, natural flavors, which is, I don't know how many other things, cocoa yeah, butter, mung bean protein, Methyl cellulose, potato starch, apple extract, pomegranate extract, salt, potassium chloride, vinegar, lemon juice, concentrate, sunflower lecithin, beet juice extract. The beet juice, by the way, is to make it look bloody. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yes. Yeah, I I, I'm yeah. not a fan of this argument, though, by the way. That's why I know you're bringing it up to, to make a point. Like, if you look, you flip meat around, it's just meat. But, like, when you just break, you say all those things, for the most part, most of those things are in a lot of foods. It's the, co- it's the fact that there's the, all the combinations. No, I get the, it. Yeah. I get it. You know, but I, I just, I think it's a weak argument. It's a weak argument. Yeah, to, yeah I, I agree. I know what you're saying. Because if you, because I guarantee if you and I were to extract everything that's in there, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I eat that and other things, or I've had that. Like, they're not, it's not that horrific. You know, it's not as bad as if I turn around my rock star and look at what's in the back yeah. of that. You know, that's probably a lot worse for me than than this thing is is totally. And that's kind of like the go-to 
argument that everybody leans on is like, look at this. There's 70 things in here versus no, yeah, one. Yeah, it's just not, it, it doesn't really compare to actual meat, I think is the point. Well, it's yeah. not. And that, that to me, that's a better argument is the, uh, the how nutrient dense meat is. And I, I think that would be a better way to explain it is like, look at all the health benefits you get, get from eating real meat and show that versus, okay, you can put all these things in here to try and emulate this, but look at the the value of this versus to me, that's a better argument than the look what's in it, like scare tactic to yeah. how much stuff. You know, it's it. funny. It's uh, the, the demise of how we value meat really started happening. Once we started separating ourselves from the process of raising and killing meat. Mm -hmm. as soon as we separated that you had these huge, you know, slaughter factories with animals being, you know, run through and treated a certain way and pumped full of hormones or whatever, because we're not connected to it. Yeah. And then people never kill an animal themselves. So they have no respect for it. And they go to the grocery store and they just see the meat and the plastic. And then because they have no respect, uh, they don't understand the value. And so like, I'm not going to eat meat anymore. And a lot of people run into problems with that because you have to be more, you can definitely be vegan and be healthy for sure. You just have to be much more planned, and it also wouldn't be possible without modern grocery stores and modern markets. There's just so much variety now; you can get all the nutrients you need. Whereas, you know, a thousand years ago, you would starve. You would starve if you didn't eat any meat. So, yeah, yeah. it's uh, you know, it's really interesting. Well, while we're on the food topic, did you guys see the uh, 850 pound pot brownie that was made, dude? <laughs> what? <laughs> 20,000 milligrams of THC. Yeah. 850 pounds? Yeah, I think the company, I think Medimar or something like that, I think is the name of the company. They claim to have made the largest <laughs> pot brownie in the world at 850 pounds. I have no idea. <laughs> so you could say. How I many mean, people are you going to invite over to from try a, and From a marketing standpoint, I mean, here we are talking about it. You know what I'm saying? I am not. I can't be the first person to bring it up. You know, I read it in some other big yeah. article or whatever like that. So You can invite 1,000 people over and everybody gets super smashed. Super. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, probably, I mean, really probably a, just a, a smart strategy to get attention because everyone's good the wow yeah. factor of looking at it and being like oh my god like imagine how hot Dude, you would how sad by the way how sad is this that there's people that literally they just made Look this at, pot brownie that's massive there's no way they actually put all that pot in there either that's oh 20,000 you can fit in that easily dude no oh yes you can bro i've seen a thousand milligrams in a cookie no i know i'm saying that they didn't do that because that would have cost them too much money like they could just yeah that would be that. really expensive to do yeah, that right that, to produce that's that i remember or it'd be wasteful to do that right you right. can use it to produce a it's bunch of eat yeah, it. it's but a it's, publicity stunt yes it's that but you know what's sad about this they did this get all kinds of news there's still people in federal prison for for marijuana laws yeah. is it still How, I thought we started letting a lot of that out no no not well, no there's still people in there serving their terms so wow. there's people who got caught in the in the 90s trafficking a bunch of you know cannabis and I mean in the 90s if you got caught with 20,000 milligrams worth of weed like THC you're going to jail for like decades. So imagine you're sitting in jail right now oh, yeah. and you're like on you're like on 15 years and you read this damn article. I would be so mad, dude. Oh, they just yeah. made a pop brown to yourself. Yeah, and I'm still in jail. Wanting it in your face. I had this conversation with Mike earlier cuz he he's he's uh, Matthews? Know, no, no, our friend Mike. Uh-oh. Uh, and we Funny gave Mike. Yeah, and we gave I gave him um some hemp oil and we were talking about cannabinoids and I'm like, man, you know that they they made they literally made that elite like like schedule one specifically to target the counterculture. It was 100% a political move to be able to throw protesters in jail because they had to figure out a way to do it. Yeah. So like their number one drug is weed. Let's make that the, you know the 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 schedule one or whatever. And by the way, there was a study. I haven't talked about this in a long time. I remembered it while I was talking to him. Do you know that one of the first studies that showed cannabinoids and their anti-cancer effects was a government studied. Uh, excuse me, government-funded study in 1974. Mm. They did a study trying to connect 
smoking marijuana to lung cancer. And halfway through, they saw that there was a small anti-cancer, very small anti-cancer effect. And they, they stopped the study and classified it. And it only got released later because of the Freedom of Information Act, I think. Yeah. When people are like, wait a minute, why'd you guys stop this study? Oh, I know why. This, <laughs> yeah. this showed it's not convenient the, information. I know. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of crazy stuff, yeah, I'm going to tell you guys something that's super annoying. So obviously inflation's exploding. I think we hit a new record, right? 7% highest in 40 years. Yeah. So yeah. we're crushing with that right Woo! now. What, you, you, you know what's funny, though, is the, the news articles coming out around it are cracking me up, dude. Like The spin? The spin on oh like the positive gosh, part. Dude. So, okay, now let's uh, let's play the you know a prediction game that we always play here. Uh, there, I believe there is a like a $5 trillion bill on the table right now. Now, this new, I think we can say it's not transitory anymore, or is that because it's been hanging oh, around? Oh, inflation? Yeah, it's been oh, hanging no, around five here. plus and climbing, right? So I think it's no it's longer transitory. Yeah. So based off of that, does does this does this bill get killed, or do they does Congress still push it through, and we still now we we print out five trillion dollars? What's I th your? Th I think I think at the le at the the best they're going to pass something that's trillions of dollars. Maybe it's not the five trillion or whatever. But they'll pass. So is that your prediction? Is that yeah. like you know half of it will get passed? Yeah, some something in the trillions. Why would they? Why would they stop it? I mean, at this well, because point, it's they getting, keep printing money. Like, yeah, but I mean, stop it? part of their theory on printing money before was that this was going to be transitory and we would return back to normalcy. And the fact that it's it's not and it's continuing to rise, printing more money is only going to make it accelerate. Yeah, but you're speaking. Even, yeah, I know, but that's really logical. I guess. Bro. I guess my point is like they've been successfully able to keep hitting that button. Well, it's kind of like their, their their hand has been caught in the cookie jar now, and I feel like it's like, are you really still going to try and reach in there and grab another one, even though you've I think already so. been caught? You know, okay. Dude, everything I've seen so far is keep throttling as as fast and as you know. Okay, as I'm going to be the optimist. We can. I'm going to come out. I'm totally negative. Negative, dude. Like okay. everything out there is just <laughs> well, in my well, favor. It's all negative. So just to be full pessimist is going like, to say they're going to they're going to push the five trillion through. They're going to say let me go uh, next. they're going to go. They're going to probably lobby no, against a little bit. It'll dude, be around. No, two. there's me, no accountability. No, let me be. Where's a little the more, accountability? Let me be a little bit more specific before you go, Adam, because you're going to go positive. So I'm going to go be a little more specific. Here's the two options that they have: do huge spending bills or raise taxes and interest rates. Which one is going to be? Provide more what pain. Were you and I just watching. What did we? And we heard someone. <laughs> Nobody say, wants to do that. Who, right? What was it we were watching? Was it when we were in the hotel room when they, when he said like, "Oh, I'm going to do this, and we won't have to pay any more taxes." Oh my God, it was Biden. Oh, what did he say though? Bro, Biden was I like, fell, fell out of we're going to provide this. We're going to provide that. We're not going to raise a single dollar of taxes and it's not going to cost us any money. I'm like, <laughs> That's what it was. Like, wait you a second. Magic? <laughs> we, we found a money tree. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so, uh, okay. Either raise interest rates, increase taxes okay. or inflate. Okay. Okay. Which one was more likely to get blamed on politicians if they goes through with the pain, right? The interest rates and taxes, which one are they going to pass the buck on? Inflation. In fact, the propaganda already started. Yep. You know what they're doing right now? And mm. I'm seeing articles uh, on this, and I'm seeing political pundits say this bullshit too. They're blaming the rise in prices on companies' price gouging. I swear to God, this is what they're saying. <laughs> they're saying the reason why bacon Companies is, are taking advantage? Yes. The reason why bacon is 50% more expensive is because baking companies are like, hey, we could totally raise prices and people will pay more. Yeah. That's not how it works. If I'm in a competitive market and I have a product, I wish my consumer, my my competitors had to raise their prices. So now I'm going to crush them. It doesn't work that way. It's right. not price gouging. Sorry, these prices are reflecting what's going on. But they're already starting the propaganda machine. And inflation is their favorite way to tax people without people realizing it because it's easy to pass the buck. 
All right, go yep. positive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I dare you. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm I got nothing. I'm gonna be the the optimist of the group, and I want to believe that they're they're gonna shut it down. So I, I'm gonna say they're not gonna pass it so, at all, like yeah, zero at all zero. Yeah, I think I think that we have to at least uh, for now. I mean, I think that it's it's so out of control. I think you can't pitch the transitory uh, thing anymore. That it's it's here. It's here to stay. Uh, in fact, it's probably inevitable. It's going to get worse. Mm. And so by printing any more money, it's only going to make that situation 10 times worse. So I think that. So I'm going to be your political opponent right Dude. now. So you said that, which is yeah. true and yeah. honest and yeah. logical. So now, <laughs> now I'm going to be. It's not good politics. Now I'm going to crush you in politics. I'm <laughs> yeah, like, everybody's just going to blame somebody else and keep passing the buck. Yeah, I'm going to say it like this. Like they do what, every time. Adam, you don't want to build new bridges and create new jobs and fix our our crumbling infrastructure. You want to cancel this bill when Americans need work the most yeah. and people need the most help. Yeah. You lose, I win. I mean, that's going to be the, that's going to be the pitch potential. You know, you you don't think that a lot of people are kind of I mean, you you brought it up the other day about his approval rating right now. So, most people are pretty upset. I think most people see the writing on the wall now, don't you think or no? I think they do, but hmm. they don't they don't understand. People well, don't yeah. understand inflation, they don't yeah. understand what's happening. They see that this new bill is going to get passed. We're going to create jobs with it. By the way, okay, government doesn't create jobs. They take money from producers and they spend it on stuff that they think is valuable. Through the process, you automatically lose wealth because there's a massive bureaucracy that administers and it. And you also have to pay off the special interest groups. That's we don't it. talk about that. Yeah, and then, and then who knows if what I'm building is going to have market viability because there's no pressures on it. So I'm going to build it and then who knows and we'll see what happens. So it's really, I mean, literally I could be like, I'm going to create a thousand jobs and here's your job. You're going to dig a hole and fill it back up and we're going to pay you. And how are we going to pay you? We're going to just print money or I'm going to tax these people. Over Speaking here. of jobs, I heard that it, I heard that it's, it's pointless to even pay attention to unemployment rate. And the reason being, I, this was very interesting. I've never heard this before that as, as techno, like for example, 50 years ago or 50, 60 years ago, the skills that you needed to be in the workforce is so different than now that it, that keeps leveling up while we're not getting more educated. Now, maybe as a, a whole, like we we are, but there's a larger, per that, the percentage of people that are hmm. uneducated are growing at a faster rate and the jobs are getting further out of reach. And so it's inevitable that that number is always going to continue to get worse. Hmm. I thought that was really interesting. I well, had never, never heard anyone make that point before. And it makes a lot of sense when you think about, think about our parents' parents, like the, the jobs you do, a lot of them were like, Labor, like oh, yeah. you know, what I'm saying that the skills required to learn how to do it, you could get hired. So you're not saying any TikTok influencing isn't paying off. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. not a real career. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck? I, well, I don't know. According to um, unemployment numbers, they're it's pretty low. But one thing they don't tell you is how many people stop looking, because those people are off that. So if you say that you're not looking for a job, right. even though you're unemployed, they don't count that. So I don't know. That's uh, another reason why I hear it's not very important. It's like. You can, we, we're not tracking that, which that's just as important too, right? Yeah, I have, I don't know, I have. No but isn't idea. that interesting when you think about that? I, you know, I was like, wow, it is kind of inevitable that's going to continue to get worse. Then, like, if if we are if we're not getting smarter as a whole, and the jobs are you know being replaced with AI, and it's requiring you to be smarter, that you either have to be able to run AI, you mean have more skills, yeah, more yeah. skills than what just 50, 60 years ago. And it is when you think about jobs, what they look like. It, well, it's well okay. wasn't it? 
isn't it just like when um, Google like announced they're having like yes. more of that uh, in-house education where you, certificates you could just go direct, uh, you know, right out of like, yeah, high school. I think the market will answer that. I think that's that's the move. It's I, to really just get more skilled within that specific trade. I do too. I think like in tech, especially, let's say you get a, a four-year degree in tech, like by at the speed at which it's advancing. At the end of your degree, what you learn the first two years might even become kind of obsolete. So companies like uh, Google and Apple and others are creating their own education systems. And then their six-month certificate is equivalent to a four-year degree, not just for them. There's other companies that are accepting these certificates as well. So I think it's going to keep doing that. Um, as far as education is concerned, we are more educated than we were 50 years ago, generally speaking. More yeah, people, generally yeah. speaking, but we're the 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 skills required for jobs is outpacing that. Well, you know what happens is that the high the jobs that are at such high demand require high skill. For example, I read this article. I think I sent it to you on uh, like uh, computer engineers. Do you know the difference between? A, the productivity of what they would consider a superstar computer engineer and your average uh, engineer? No. It's crazy. I don't think you said this. Yeah, so the, so one of the founders of Netflix, it wasn't the gentleman that we interviewed, it was one of the other ones, but he said that they had a, they had a, um, a meeting where they had to decide how many computer engineers or engineers or coders are we going to hire to create this new you know, product, this new service? And he says he, he had a budget to hire, I think it was eight engineers, but he remembered learning about these, what are called superstar engineers that are hyper productive and really good. And so rather than paying eight engineers, a, you know, engineer, you know, average salary, he hired one who was a superstar and paid him a fat salary hmm. and it worked. He said, because of the, the amount of productivity that these high level engineers can produce, <laughs> one of them is equivalent to like 20 Engineers. Oh yeah, that's which, just efficiency, which right is there. really crazy. So there's a huge discrepancy between these superstar, you know, coders and engineers, <laughs> and then your your typical one. And it's just like that guy that's on uh, Soylent and just never leaves his <laughs> fucking computer <laughs> just, for just all day. Dude, yeah. speaking of uh, tech, did you guys read the article on these new eye drops that just got approved by the FDA? Mm -hmm. Eye drops. Oh, and bro. tech. No. Uh -huh. Okay, technology. It's really crazy. So they created eye drops that can eliminate the use of reading glasses. What? Yeah. So you use these eye drops. So it's a temporary. It, it must be like a film that gives yeah. you like no. A, like a no. No, no, no. So what it, it and it lasts for like I think it's like twelve hours or ten hours. So you put these eye drops in. So the problem with people reading uh, with, when they when they start to get older and they have trouble reading things up close is the muscles of the eye, the ones that constrict the pupil start to become less flexible and you start to lose that ability. So you might have good vision far away, but then when you look up close, your, your eye can't adjust in, you know, reduce light or I don't know what happens if your pupils grow or Justin's shrink. listening intently, right? Yeah, now. I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like squeezing my eyes. But <laughs> the people on the podcast don't ever get to see this, but when, when Justin's like this all the time, whenever he's, he's thinking hard, Yeah, when it's his turn to look at the notes, he's like, yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, where is this going? It looks like an old man. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have the worst eyes out of all of us? Probably. For sure. For yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I well, are you far? Well, what color are your eyes? What color are your eyes? 
color? Yeah. What you can, well, can't you see them? Well, no. Well, I can't now. We'll you look see at the opposite because I well, can't see. Well, no, far. People are my light feelings light. are hurt right now. You know my eye color. The reason why, <laughs> we've been no, together for like no, you know that the, somebody who it's like Justin has lighter brown. Someone who has yeah. lighter color eyes is way more likely to have eye problems than someone who has dark colored eyes. You really? know that? Oh, is you didn't know that? Oh, is that because the UV goes in and oh, you didn't know that? Oh, look up. I know that like my fair skin and like redhead, I know specifically has a higher pain threshold. Oh, he's like, I got to say something cool. He's oh. like, you guys are wimps. I could take it at a more pain. Yeah, maybe maybe Andrew could look it up for us since Doug stepped out in the middle of our podcast. I think, yeah, yeah, I think he had diarrhea. Yes. We lost our Google. <laughs> we, lost, we lost our Google. We talk shit today. about him because he That's stepped what out. When Doug leaves, we're going to talk shit about him all the time. No, you guys didn't yeah. know that? Yeah, look it up, Google Master. No, I mean, like, I know I'm more squinty as a result. No, right? if, like, you got, if you have light-colored eyes, I mean, it's a it's like dramatically different, Sal. Like, the likelihood you'll wear glasses if you have blue eyes is extremely higher than if someone has brown eyes. I mean, it kind of makes sense in terms of if you like for your I, skin with pig, pigmentation. So I'm gonna guess before I look it up. It has to do with UV damage because maybe um, oh, darker. Did you just hijack it, Andrew. Look at this, oh, Andrew. Look at Andrew. Oh, yeah. see, we got see what happens, plan. Doug. What's we got a backup plan. <laughs> You've been <laughs> Doug just lost that, his job. What does that say right there? Can you expand up on that right there? Although, Although bright. brightness may be an issue for light-eyed people, it is not directly related to the quality of their eyes and so, eyesight. I still got quality. In dude. general, science has not found evidence that people with darker eyes have intently better vision than those with uh, paler. Oh, so not better vision, but they're more likely to ha have to wear glasses. They have like- What? Isn't oh. that the same thing? No. No, I don't it's think it's not? the same thing. Because uh, uh, what you're saying is what it's saying right now, which is the, the UV this. rays. Doug, have you, you know that? I don't know. If look that people with light eyes are more theory. likely to have to wear, or wear eyeglasses than people with dark eyes. Like eyeglasses for seeing? Yes. Wow. Well, hold on. Uh, yeah, sure I, I do not know. Look what I'm reading right now. How's your stomach feel, Doug? Did you have a good one? <laughs> no, I had a phone call okay, today. Uh, so the second part, look at this says, this means that dark eyed people. So there's another part that says that dark eyes excelled at reactive tasks while those with light eyes were better at self-paced tasks. So this means that dark eyed people scored better in areas like hitting balls mm. and playing defense while light eyed people scored highly when it came to throwing balls, bowling or hitting golf balls. Oh no, that's true, dude. I was a defender. Uh, so I just, uh, you know, yeah. I'm going to do my own homework. I'm an outlier. Yeah. Well, anyway, these eye drops, you put them in your eyes, and it it improves your ability to read at close uh, distance. So it could eliminate the need for reading glasses with eye trip. drops. That's a trip. It is, right? Yeah. Now, it just got FDA approved, so I don't know if I would necessarily want to put this in my eyeballs yeah see what happens yeah later but. you find out it's just like eroding your eyeballs <laughs> yeah, <dude. laughs> it wasn't a good idea i don't have to wear a glass 10 years later you know? yeah, come yeah. on andrew what are you pulling up here the first article i pull up says how eye color impacts your vision your eye color is unique to you in fact no two people have the exact same eyes uh, blah, 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 blah. one of the most distinguishing characteristic people is a big part of this our expert <laughs> light versus dark you know what it is I clicked on it and then it brought me to another part yada, of the article yada, yada. The, the did they get there yet no yeah, dude. <laughs> I used to, there was whether a, you have light or dark colored eyes your your eye color does actually have an impact on your vision okay if you, okay. If you have a lighter eye colors your eyes are more sensitive to light because you have less pigment and yeah melanin for UV and, you're, and rises to protect uh, your eyes from the sun I mean, that was the only this means that you could have a greater risk of degeneration and that you might find yourself squinting more outside during the day so yes it does I'm now, a squinter I mean I'm now, a squinter I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna and, and if you have darker eyes you can you're more often withstand high glare lights better than light colored eyes can yeah, you more have, likely you, to wear eyeglasses you have really dark eyes Adam come on Andrew very mysterious look into the camera wrong over there? Real quick. yeah huh? you, look into like a shark. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Ooh. Whoa. 
<laughs> so exotic. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna admit now. I cheated because I had LASIK eye surgery. Oh come on. Way long time ago. Yeah. I actually had it like maybe 15 years ago. Do you know that? No. Yeah, I did. I had really bad. Uh, I was really bad at looking at seeing things far away. Yeah. And uh, that's I where in, I'm at. I went in and got it done, and it's still good. My eyes now are 20. Last time I got it checked was 2010 in one eye, and 2015 in the other. Wow. Which is really good. Nobody really cares. That has nothing yeah. to do with our argument. Right? Great stash. <laughs> Shut, <your laughs> Shut your mouth. I wish this was a Felix Gray commercial. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. then I could totally tie yeah, it That would have been a good commercial for them. Yeah, but I didn't know we were going to I mean, go I got here. prescription. I wear all the time. Hey, like if I'm I just reading, thought that was a random. Thing. I got something cool to tell you guys. Okay, let's hear it. I found out a, about a compound that has profound effects on the pump. That we don't know about? Water. Okay. Glutathione. It, glutathione? The, glutathione. Why is this like the wonder drug all of a sudden? It's because like it's, for COVID yeah, and all kinds of stuff. It's the master. It's, like it's the, it's the uh, cannabis of 20, yeah, 2022. Dude. <laughs> it's really doing well. It's yeah. the master antioxidant. It actually increases the amount of nitric oxide. And they did studies on this. There was a study on glutathione that showed that people who supplemented with it, who exercised, had better strength gains as well. I swear to God. I'm not making this up. It's in the video. It'll be in the show notes. Look at that. Really? Yes. I mean, is it like a correlation leap, though? I mean, is it just no. like, really? No, it's like it, a direct effect yes. to the pump. Now, I don't remember. So, like, how many versions are at? Because I know the, the most effective one that we use is the, those packets from Live On, right? Liposomal. But, yeah, yeah. So, it's like a gel and it's it's rough to get through it. Yeah. But, like, are there <laughs> other, like, versions out there that, like, are competitive that are, like, in a drink or, or like, pill form? Yeah. Well, the, the problem with glutathione is that the original studies on it showed all these benefits, but they were all um, done intravenously so people had to go mm. directly to the blood because when you consume it it's destroyed in the gut and it, it doesn't get to your right. system so the old way of increasing glutathione in your blood was to supplement with nac which stands for n-acetylcysteine i think and by the way that's the supplement the fda now said uh, uh can't be sold over the counter because there were some studies it's showing effective that let's get rid of it, it yeah, it's, yeah it's effective against right. a certain type of uh, what do you guys do you guys doing all the wrong commercials today what's going on you read no, the wrong no. you're reading, reading the same show notes i'm reading yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, no no we're gonna work our way through hey, all the look. partners but the commercials no no, 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 line. no i see that's we're where we're going real real information no here. no actually uh we're gonna we'll uh, live on will be mentioned in the in the middle oh, okay, of this okay. episode but okay. nonetheless the, the glutathione you want liposomal meaning it's surrounded by a fat so it's protected and studies show that liposomal glutathione does significantly raise glutathione in the blood. So, okay, but now, pre-workout, take it an hour before workout. I've been doing it, and it's I can tell. I swear to God. So yeah. I, I took mine today. Now, what's your recommendation for just like should you take one one of those little packets a day? Or I yeah. know when we when we were worried that everyone was sick in the house, you told me to jump it up to two or three times yeah. a day. Yeah. I mean, what's kind of like the, the the generic recommendation for that? Just one packet a day. But it, the key is to have your glutathione levels be high before you get sick. So once you're sick and then you're trying to get it to go up doesn't I mean, make sense better than nothing but, but it makes sense so then it does make sense for me to maybe do it too because uh katrina and max both woke up sick and i'm fine i don't feel anything coming on mm -hmm. yet but i should probably double triple up you're yeah. saying right yeah, now. Yeah, okay yeah. And, and what else of theirs because i know they got the vitamin c and what's the other one that you have us doing you got me doing the green packet the the uh the which one the, like, i love giving out kind of stuff. purple yeah. packet and then the i think the gray one i'm having think, you green take one. the acetyl l-carnitine yes um i'm having you take the glutathione and yep. the vitamin c packet yes so, so just, those three still yeah you just okay. take all three and then the b complex you could take two that one's that one's actually that one actually tastes kind of good mm. 
Do the thigh on. I don't know about that. I mean, that. it's yeah, it's not offensive in comparison. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, if you if you compare the two, yeah. then there might be yeah, yeah, an yeah. Issue. tallest midget. Yeah, anyway, yeah. so uh, so Adam had a great time in Arizona with you at the NSI event, dude. That was really good. Yeah, t- like tell me about it because obviously uh, I had a little bit of FOMO there. So you guys got to really because he brought that up and I said I, actually I, just, I take that completely back. Okay, so I didn't fucking liar. Anything? See, with see, why you gotta <laughs> lie, dude? Now you got to be careful for lying like that because him and I actually got in a little bit of a debate in the oh, really in the. Yeah, no, I like I wanted to go hang out and like you know watch and be a part of it, but I I didn't want to go speak. I was right. I definitely didn't want to. So here's what I said. Here's what I I said. Because doing that, because we went to go speak on stage, and you know Adam and I, whatever we like, you know people looking at us, I guess. And so we went up there, did the thing, (laughs) and but (laughs) after me into that with you, but uh, come on. (laughs) Bro, like, only one of us posed on stage in little shorts. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> All right, oh, snap. Yeah, uh, not not at the NCI event, Doug. This is when he was competing. Oh, we I see, uh, yeah, he didn't do that there. I Surprise everybody! No, so there picture me in little booty shorts. Yeah, I said let's bring Justin because, and even Doug because uh, this is all coaches and trainers, right? And this is who we talk to on the podcast all the time. Yeah. And afterwards, they wanted to come up and ask us questions and meet us. I'm like, man, this would have been great if we had the whole crew. And I said, fuck that. They wouldn't want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> and he's and he argued with me. And I said, well, if they want to like, come and I'll stay, that's fine with me. I said, I'd rather be in Palm <laughs> Desert sitting around a pool right well, now where I, he's probably at. Yeah, that's what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and hiking. It was perfect weather. It was a great time. Anyways, tell me about you nah, guys. It was yeah. it was great, man. Yeah. There was, it was a room full of, it was like 200-something coaches and trainers. You know, these are our people. And he it, packed the house, man. Yeah. He yeah. Did. It was there, like when we it got there, like there was no chairs, people standing around. Uh, the wall, the building was completely... In fact, he was probably over the occupancy and the fire marshal probably would have got him in trouble if yeah. they would have found out. But how it, many speakers were there besides uh, you guys and Jason? What would you say? Eight to ten? I think so. Something like that? Yeah, Well, it was so. three days too, so maybe even more. Maybe 12 to 15 of them. So yeah. a lot of the p- other people that spoke besides Sal and I uh, are people in the coaching group that have gone through it and had like tremendous success. Oh, cool. So what he would do is basically have them come up and tell their story. Like, oh, you know, I started coaching with Jason a year ago and now my business is doing six figures or I'm making all this money. So they come up and they kind of talk all about that. And Sal spoke on the first day and then I spoke on the second day and then we left. Uh, what I was most surprised with, so this we did this two years ago. Yeah. Right? It was two or three years ago now. So two or three years ago. Yeah, it might, it might have been three years yeah, ago. Yeah, and this is really the first time that we've been out since Ohio trip for uh, our, whatchamacallit? Live event. Yeah, our live event. So it's been two years since we've kind of been out. And the show's had uh, a lot more growth, right, since then. Mm-hmm. And I could, because it was like in the exact same place, similar event, uh, he had even more people there. Uh, I wasn't anticipating that many like like Mind Pump fans. Like everybody, the whole room, when Sal got up there and asked how many people listen to the show, literally the whole room raised their hand. Yeah. Well, I oh, mean, that's sick. that's our yeah. people. I mean, trainers and coaches are the ones that are really making, we know this because we did this. They're the ones making the big changes in the you know when it comes to health and fitness. And if we could speak to them to get in, for them to make those big changes with people, I mean, that's phenomenal. But it was a lot of fun. This, this one couple come, everybody was great, by the way. I loved everybody. But at one point there was this couple that came up and they're both coaches and the wife shakes my hand she goes i just want to let you know <laughs> you're gonna roll her into the bus <laughs> no this is good no this is good she goes i just want to let you know i love your show i listen to every episode but you know you're getting a shit sandwich when it starts but, like that uh, she goes but, but i'm she goes i disagree with a lot of the stuff you say you know in regards to like economics and politics or whatever so i'm like okay so then afterwards i asked her cool. what what it was and we had this nice discussion but you know what it highlighted to me it highlighted to me how valuable health and fitness is. It's this, it's this 
you know, growth model, this personal growth mechanism that doesn't matter where you come from. I don't care what your political beliefs are. I don't care what your religious beliefs are. All these other controversial areas of life, everybody can agree on improving your health and, mm -hmm. and the methods to do so. And there's some polarization in fitness and health too, especially recently, but it's not like other spaces. So it's great that she disagrees, you know, with some of the stuff I say, but listens to every episode and loves the fitness and health stuff. It's one of my favorite things about a space that way. I remember all my clients that were so different from each other. Oh, but yeah. But we all I, agreed on that, you know. I don't know that I had many clients that I completely agreed with with all that kind of stuff, but it was just about like getting better and improving and self-improvement and uh, you know, you had that common ground the whole time, so it didn't matter. Oh, I think that's what has led all of us to be kind of like we are, because I was the same. My clients that I had the longest, actually, I totally was socially and politically, like, we didn't see eye to eye at all. But I like that. Yeah. Like, I, I actually- So do I. I never held that against, you know, really, I never held that against anybody. No, it helped if me learn. you good people- It helped nice. me learn. If you, if you hang out with all people that agree with you- Right. A lot of times you get you get caught up in the rhetoric and it's just bullshit. Yeah. And it's just, you closing each other and it's like you're not yep. really versus me listening to someone who totally disagrees without. Now I get to hear how they dismantle my point of view. And then either one, it either strengthens my point of view or it changes my mind. And I think that yeah. I really like that as a as a trainer, getting people that were I thought were much smarter than I am who disagree with me. I learned a lot that way. So yeah. I enjoyed that. It's just a very positive uh, especially if you communicate it right and you have good intentions, you really want to help people. It's a very positive space. So the fact that we have such a wide range of people that listen to the show regularly who are interested in health and fitness, even though they may disagree with us in certain things, I think it speaks volumes of the space that we're in. And it was nice because, again, we're talking to a room full of coaches and trainers. And here's the, the beautiful and challenging thing about working in the fitness space. We've said this before. It's if your goal is to make a ton of money, you pick the wrong space. Not not that you can't be successful in the fitness and health space, but if you just want to make money, get into finance or tech. The reason why people work in our space uh, and choose it as a career is for two. One, it changed their life significantly at some point. In fact, at one point during my talk, I told people, raise your hand and tell me why you got into this space to begin with. And people were sharing the craziest stories. Like it, I, it saved my life and you know, I was really obese and, you know, I had these body image issues and it, it helped me and then I want to help others with it. And then the second part is you have a passion for helping people. So it's like you do this and you have all this purpose and meaning behind it. And then the second part is, okay, let me figure out how to make you support myself doing this. So it's a great space to work in. And that's one of the reasons why I love, you know, talking to trainers and coaches. Doug would have freaked out if he was there because I did what he hates. I went I went deep into like all the- Oh, you get everybody I told everybody. He did, I know right? how much money we make. This is what we make here. This is what we make here. This he, is what we make he here. Gave, he gave away everything. Uh, everything. And I mean, he was like, up. and Doug, he was like exact. <laughs> there was no vagueness. To the T's. There was no vagueness whatsoever. He was like, specific. so Doug gets audited this year. <laughs> Talked about Doug's new Lambo. Well, it? you know what's funny? No, he oh, have, man. Can you imagine Doug having a yeah, Lambo? His, his, his house in the Cayman Islands. <laughs> if anybody's going to get a Lambo, it's got to be Doug. It is going to be Doug. It's going to be Doug. But he won't tell anybody. He will. He'll park oh, it at some other house. Totally silent about it. Buried gold. You know what, though? Actually, Sal and I both started our talk the same way, which is like, what if, you know, I try to think about what would I want want to hear yeah. from these guys uh, if I was in their shoes mm -hmm. and he went one way and but I thought the exact same way too and what I would want to know is about the business like mm -hmm. okay yep. the, I, I look up to these guys I listen to their show I this I, I want to build something like them 
And so I see all these different things that they're involved in. So where are you making most of your money? What aren't you having a lot of success with? What are your failures and all those things? So that's where I went. I went that way. It's just like laid it all out for everybody. Like this is what's been really successful for us. These are things that may, you Here's may the think, mistakes that we yeah, made. you may uh -huh. think we're, we're making a lot of money here or having success here, but we didn't or we're not. And so I kind of like, I just laid it all out there and then turned mine more into like an interactive. Although I wrote something completely different when I got there and realized that, oh, all these people know who we are and what we're doing already. So I felt like the, the best thing I could give them was just more insight to. Well, I'm sure they we, appreciated that. Everybody loves transparency like that. Yeah. I, th I mean, that's, I got, must've got tagged on 15 different things of people saying that, like, I cannot believe uh, how much transparency that he had or what he talked about. Like, so, and I, cause I feel like everybody keeps that so close to the chest. Totally. They yeah. I, I think that I almost is a sign in my, from, for me personally. Now there's boasting, which is what Doug, you know, d doesn't like, and that's not what you were doing, right? There's no, like the no. oh, I make this whatever, which is stupid, and I see people in our, our space doing that as well. Mm -hmm. But then there's this side, which is, if I was a new person in the space and I was trying to build business, and mm -hmm. I see someone that I think is successful, I would that would I would kill for that information. Like, what, what does that look like, and yeah. how does that work? And the vagueness that people have sometimes in that scenario, yeah, it's weakness. It's how it comes across. Like right. they're afraid. It would be like if you went up to someone and you're like. Man, how did you develop such you know amazing arms? I'm like, well, you know, they don't want to tell you. I don't want you to build arms too, because I got the. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that weak. Well, I just think about like mindset. what it's been like for us to build the YouTube channel and like apparel. These are two like very common ways that people in our space try and make money, and they're like two of the worst ways we've yeah. made money in this yeah. business. So I just feel like that's really good information. If I'm thinking I'm going to get in the space, I see what my pump's doing. Mm -hmm. Oh, they got a half a million plus subscribers on one channel. They got another one that's growing at 150. Mm -hmm. I bet they're making this much money on that. They got all these cool clothes they're always wearing. I bet they're in like, yeah. it's like, well, no. Because you had the influencers and the mastermind people that take advantage of that. Yeah. That people think that's where you're going to make all your money. And so you'll get into this class. They'll give you, you know, they'll, they'll show you how to get a lot of followers and a yeah. lot of people like yeah. subscribing and all those things and all the hacks and then you find out it's not really you know closing people on right yeah anything yeah i'll tell you what's funny though whenever we do stuff like this which we haven't done in a while but i always catch at least a couple people doing this though so what happens is and we made this mistake so people afterwards they want to come and sh you know talk to us and maybe take a picture and it's we separate some which is oh, stupid yeah. because then people end up this. going yeah <laughs> we should stay together but anyway i'll hear people come up to, and i caught a couple of people to come up to me be like sal you're my favorite host or whatever and then i'll see them, <laughs> then i'll see them talking to adam adam you're my favorite host and i'm like hey hold on <laughs> oh yeah you lied to me yeah. you said the same thing to me dude <laughs> i've seen that happen it's so funny yeah and then one other thing i know we're supposed to talk about organifi this is true now I had a uh, a guy come up <laughs> this, to me. You say this is true now. That implies that everything you just said before. All was the rest was a lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were all the other stuff was bullshit. But this is true. We right weren't here. in Arizona. <laughs> no, I had this. Uh, I had this trainer come up, and he's like, "Oh, I know you're the supplement guy." He goes, "What's the one supplement you take consistently?" And I said, "Well, creatine. That's number one." Mm -hmm. And then number two was the green juice. And he was shocked. He's like, "Really? You take the Organifi green juice?" I said, "That's actually one of the one of the only supplements that is a regular rotation." In my, and so he's asking me why, and I'm like, well, it helps my digestion. I feel really good taking it. It's just a general supplement that I take makes me feel now, good. Now, what, what do you say to the people out there that try and shit on the green juices? Because that's one of those ones that's a, a little controversial. Like if People think that it's a waste of money, and it's crap, and it's it's why would you do that? Like, And by the way, I think we've always made it very clear, like uh, you're always better off eating real vegetables and whole foods. That's right? why. Yeah. Right? So that's, where, that's the issue. It's just hard to do all the time. Yeah, yeah like I, if there's one thing that I probably don't do well enough on my diet is have a 
nice wide variety of vegetables. I tend to get stuck in this like three vegetable rotation. Well, I think I think you're actually very normal. I think that's if you prep your food, it, vegetables tend to be the thing that you lack. Like prepping, yeah, it'll be like broccoli. All soggy, old. soggy vegetables two days yeah. old are terrible. You have to do yeah. a day of, or yeah, like exactly. So like, it's hard to get enough. Well, yeah, yeah and too, like after listening to Zach, you know, from uh, when he's talking about like uh, gut bacteria yeah. and how to make sure you like you keep it diverse and, and 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 you keep that up. That's hard to do. You have to really rotate and make sure that you're getting all these kind of nutrients coming in to feed different types of bacteria. So. Yeah, and I could get stuck in the bodybuilder mentality just because it's simple, where it's like this same foods all that I can easily and with vegetables that's the worst so I'll have like broccoli or asparagus or sometimes spinach but it's usually broccoli or asparagus all the time all the time yeah. and so what the, the I think the green juice just has variety <clears throat> and like I said it makes me feel good well that's I fine it, so. I was talking to Organifi people at our party and I was like just raving about pure because it's it oh, literally yeah. is like i am like so hooked on it mm -hmm. and it's just because it's i mean i'm a i'm a stimulant guy already i don't need any more stimulus <laughs> to throw on top of what i'm doing yeah, yeah uh and i just need more clarity i need more focus i need like you know something to keep me sort of here in, you know in the present moment and it's really been one of those so things speaking you know, of which by the way justin comes in this morning right and you know he drinks i don't know two cups of coffee probably by the way by the time he's here yeah, yeah. I've never seen anybody drink caffeine during their workout. So it's not even pre-workout. He grabs a, a drink and it's like 300 milligrams caffeine. And Sipping on it's, it. it's refreshing. Halfway through his workout, he starts <laughs> drinking. I'm like, dude, you're doing a pre-workout for tomorrow? Like, why? Yeah. Drink more caffeine, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I'm at that point. You know, uh, speaking of the pure thing, it, you know, it'd be kind of a fun experiment because it's actually been a while since I've consistently taken that. And I remember we talked about like when we when we first started trying it a lot, like the buildup effect of it. Yeah, I really noticed it when we were podcasting. And since I haven't for a while, this would be another good time for me to get consistent again. So you should, next time, you should start, how we used to do it, remember we used to all drink it before we started the podcast. Mm -hmm. Now that I, I, I haven't done it in a long time, I'd like to kind of tease that out and see if I notice okay. a difference in, in uh, when we when we podcast. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Also, Maybe the specifics of eye pigment and all that. We'll get <laughs> yeah. that down. Yeah, it's yeah. time. By the way, guess who got uh, Time Magazine's Person of the Year? Huh? Someone we know? Well, I mean, Hillary everybody Clinton. knows this person. Gosh. Everybody knows this person. <laughs> But Jeffrey Epstein. I saw I saw a funny Elon Musk. On that. Oh, really? Yes. And you know what? Oh, people are mad. Oh, there's some oh, people that are really angry. Oh, people are mad about what he just recently said about the uh, about the relief on the uh, what did he he just oh yeah I was talking about the huge spending bill yeah and yeah. he goes you're taking it, the money away from people who allocate resources very efficiently effectively and you're giving it to the one entity that has a proven track record of terrible. Yes. Allocation. Hey, for the listeners, simplify what that means because I think that's such a great point. And I was listening to a podcast today that we're, was talking about that, and it, it is so true. It is. So when you ha first of all, nobody will spend money worse than the person who ha pays no consequences for spending it poorly. Meaning the government, right? They just don't pay any. And in fact, when they spend more money poorly, they make the case for more funding the next year because they say it's a money issue. In comparison to they brilliant minds that built something out of nothing, is what you would say. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 not only that, but the, you know, asset allocation or resource allocation. It's really important. Like look at the cost. I forgot where it was. I think it was Seattle. They had this program to house the homeless and there was this private organization that was doing it. And then there was the government, the, the mm -hmm. city that was doing it. Yeah. And I think the cost per room or whatever from the city was something like 10 times more expensive than what this charity private organization can do mm -hmm. because of the amount of waste uh, that they, that they produce. So that's what he said. It pissed off a lot of people. 
but he's he's the person of the, the year. I'm actually surprised sometimes. that they named him because he's so controversial. Yeah. yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, he's he, that guy. I swear he's my favorite. Even oh. though I think Tesla stock is super bloated and and doesn't match anything, uh, any fundamentals. Elon is. Uh, I mean, it matches the fundamentals of betting on a founder. Hundred mm. yeah. percent. That's that's it right there. Yeah, it's because it's him. If he yeah. was gone, I don't think it would. Oh, definitely not. Yeah. In fact, I would think this stock would fucking tank if he were to all of a sudden decide I'm out of Tesla. Plum, for sure. It would plummet. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's everybody is 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 banking on that. Is that he isn't done here? You know, he'll do that and then he'll go on to do something else. And so it's a it's a smart. He's bet. literally he's Tony Stark. He's a real world Tony Stark. We need Elon. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the show. Look, we have a partner called Live On Labs. They make some of the best supplements you'll find anywhere, mainly because they put the supplements in a way to where your body will actually utilize and absorb them. One of the challenges of taking supplements and nutrients is you take them, they get destroyed in the gut, and then you have expensive urine. Well, Live On Labs uses liposomal technology to protect the active ingredients so they actually get to the tissues that you want them to get to. One of my favorite supplements is glutathione. In fact, they have one of the best glutathione types. It's liposomal. In fact, you might have heard of me talking about this in today's podcast. I use it daily. So go check them out. Head over to liveonlabs.com. That's L-I-V-O-N-L-A-B-S.com forward slash mind pump. And if you get on there and buy any product, you'll get a sample of all six of their products for free just because you listen to mind pump. All right, here comes the rest of the show. First question is from Mitch B. Smith. What are some ways to improve mind-muscle connection? You know, the, the mind-muscle connection is something that bodybuilders talk about uh, all the time, right? It's being able to feel a muscle, a target muscle through uh, the you know range of motion, a particular exercise. They've actually done studies to show that people can improve the or increase the amount of muscle fibers that fire in muscles that they start to improve this connection to. So this is a good thing to focus on. This is where the value, the big value in isolation exercises comes from, in mm -hmm. my opinion. Isometrics, you mean? Uh, isometrics and isolation. Yeah, I say isometrics are incredible for Excellent. Oh, so yeah. like compound lifts use so many different muscles that if you have a hard time, like for example, feeling your chest in a bench press, one of the best things you could do, in my opinion, is either an isometric squeeze of the chest or like a cable fly or something that isolates the chest mm -hmm. so you can feel it and then do your compound lift. So I think isometrics or isolation slowing the exercise down, going lighter. Those will be my three. Yeah, single joint going slow and really like paying attention to the feel. Uh, the first time I read this question, I remember like, uh, was it the rock or is just like focus? Yeah. yeah. yeah he's like, like just yells it out in the gym. But I think that people don't realize that's a major factor. Like we just kind of get in the rhythm and we get in the momentum of, of moving and exercising and we don't really pay attention totally, uh, you know, to what's at hand. And also too, if, if there is like a, a lagging body part or there's a lack of connectivity, you can increase that by simply, you know, really hyper-focusing on the squeeze and you know getting uh you know that recruitment process like more honed in on the only thing i would add to what you guys said is practice i mean when you think about an athlete who gets really good at throwing a ball it gets really that's that's improving your mind muscle connection yeah. the ability to throw a perfect spiral super hard like tom brady does with the accuracy 
a lot of that mind muscle is improved mind muscle connection over years and years of throwing the ball and lots of repetition. So uh, isometrics, isolation exercises, and then just flat out practicing that movement with the understanding of what your desired outcome is. So my yes. desired outcome is I want to squat. I want to fill it in my glutes. So doing those things that we're talking about, uh, isolation and isometric exercises to get the glutes to fire, but then also just practicing that movement, knowing I'm trying to fire the glutes. I'm glad you said that at the end because throwing a practicing to throw a football better would be more like mind to movement connection, mm -hmm. right? Versus mind to muscle, which mind to muscle isn't, doesn't necessarily mean better movement. Like mm. what I mean by that is a power lifter is constantly focusing on how to improve the efficiency and the leverage of a squat. They really don't care if they feel in the quads, glutes, hams. It's like, how can I squat more weight? How can I improve the skill of my squat so I can lift more versus someone who's like, man, I want to really build my butt. I can't feel my butt. It's not so much about using more leverage or it's really about feeling the target muscle, which is a different Creating feel. muscle tension. But pra like you said, Adam, practicing the connection often, right? So like if you have a poor connection to a muscle, every time you train this muscle with all the exercises, that should be the focus. Can I feel it? Can I feel it? Can I feel it? Not how much weight you lifted or you know how you know how great your performance was. Rather, how much better can I get this muscle? To and even connect? when you're not exercising, right? So that's what's great about things like trigger sessions. If you are yeah. practicing just activating that muscle, even with no resistance, totally. what is only going to make you better with that mind-muscle connection. Next question is from Tyler Cortez. Are wrist wraps helpful long-term or more detrimental? We used uh, to debate this a lot yeah. at the beginning. I think for the average person, detrimental. Yeah. Um, I, I could see value in advanced bodybuilders and lifters who know how good, to use that's them. a good way to put it i think yeah but i think the average person what what they do is first off they disengage the grip so you're not strength and by the way your your grip should be able to support pretty much any lift you do this is one of the strongest parts uh of the human body is your ability to hold on to things i mean we, we evolved we're primates for goodness sake so this is very strong but you're going to make your hands not strong enough to support your exercises if you're constantly using something that helps you hold on to the bar right. and Studies show that wrist wraps or straps or whatever you call them, the things that you, you go around your wrist and go around the bar, change recruitment patterns all the way up to the shoulder. Changes the way you fire your muscles yes. to, to accomplish that task. And I think that people don't realize that. It just, you naturally, wow, this feels a lot easier and I feel like I can um, you know, really get a, a better hold and a better grasp on more weight, but uh, it doesn't translate then after not having wrist straps on. Yes. So now all of a sudden I feel like I can do that 80 pound dumbbell, no problem. But guess what? Now there's a big uh, weak link in, in, in that, that chain that goes all the way up, you know, into your arm. So now early on in the podcast, uh, I, I used to debate you guys a little bit on this. It's not because I don't, I don't disagree with everything you just said, because I do agree, I 100% agree. But then at the same time, too, you might catch me using wrist wraps. Yeah, well, you were you were competing, you were bodybuilding, right? And yeah. and I think that way, and that's why the way you started it, I think, is I think over time we've refined how we we present this message. Yeah. And I think that's a perfect way to say it. It's like for the most for the most people and the general population, it's it's going to hinder them. It's not ideal for them at all, and you should avoid it at all cost. But for an advanced lifter who has very specific goals and has got a great developed physique, I, there's some application for it. And there's been 
plenty of times in my career where I've pulled them out to use them because I'm, I don't want my forearms to be the limiting factor. Like, and I, even though yes, practicing with the grip would be better for my grip, but I'm a bodybuilder. I'm trying to get my rear delt at that, at that right. moment to fire. I don't care if my forearms aren't firing or getting developed at that moment. I'm trying to develop a very specific thing and I don't want anything else to get in the way of that. And so there's times when there's some application, but talking to the general population. Uh, and and by the way, I haven't used rips ra wrist wraps in a couple of years. Well, you're now. not bodybuilding. Yeah, anymore. I don't care right now. Right. right now, I'm not like into the body sculpting thing right now. I'm just training to be healthy and fit. And because of that, if I can't hold on to something that's over 350 pounds, I don't deadlift it because yeah. so it does because it doesn't matter to me anymore. Yeah, here's the places I'd say that were probably where, where people will use it, right? So uh, high-level bodybuilders who are doing these high-volume workouts, you know, they're doing 20 sets for back and they're already really well-developed and they know how to isolate and squeeze and they get plenty of hand and grip work and everything else that they do. Strongman competitors use wrist wraps often because the competitions allow them to sometimes. Right. So you'll often see them do these lifts. Those power lifters. Yeah. Power lifters don't use them because power lifters have to use their grip. Well, yeah, competitive power lifters. Yeah. yeah but the, uh, you see your weekend warrior guys doing all Yes. Time. Yes. Uh, that's a big problem. It's an ego lift for yeah. those ones. I yeah. Guess. Now, I use them rarely, but here's when I'll use them. Let's say I'm going to do a heavy, stiff legged deadlift. I'm not, I'm not working my upper body. I'm trying to work my hamstrings. So, and I have 400 pounds on the bar and I already did a conventional deadlift early in the week. What I'm trying to do there is actually use my arms less. Well, that that's my rear delt example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You are trying, you are trying to isolate, even though it's impossible to isolate a muscle, but you're trying to put as much emphasis on your hamstrings. Yeah. And what you don't want is your forearms to limit you. Yes. Or overtrain and, my forearms. Right. And because you're an advanced lifter who has got a balanced physique and has strong forearms, then to me, it makes sense. And that's how I felt when we used to talk about this early in the podcast, you guys used to give me shit all the time. And I'd be like, well, listen, yeah. I'm, I, I feel like I can defend why I use it because I don't use it all the time, but then there have been specific moments. But when we're talking to the general population, I think yeah, most well, people I just always it. caution because either way you look at it, you're going to cause dysfunction. And that's just something that you're going to have to work your way back and you're going to have to repair. And eventually it's going to sneak up and bite you in the ass. So if you are competitive with it, there's a window for that. Sure. Yep. Um, well, but you have to ask yourself too, what's a lesser evil? Someone to do an over uh, over under grip on a deadlift or a wrist wrapped deadlift? Depends who it is. Most people, I would say, you use your switcher over under back and forth. Yeah. Which nobody grip. does, right? Unless yeah. you're us. Yes, or yeah. <laughs> but who, purist, who, who have you seen? Right, the whole yeah. time. A lot like, of people do yeah. uh, over under and to go max lift, and I would it going. And I used to. Okay, I'm guilty of this, but looking back now, I actually probably should. I would have rather because the the issues that I have are shoulder and upper it's back. Because you stuff. always kept the same. Hand That's right. So did I. That's right. Yeah. And so since I'm not switching back and forth, which most people don't, I probably would have been better off of using wraps in that situation. This, this is why I switched to hook grip. It was exactly, but it took me six months to get my hook grip to be able to handle the weight that I could use with a alternate grip. Yeah, I, I've never given clients wrist wraps. Never. Either have I. Yeah, I've never had yeah. them use them at all. And, and by the way, bodybuilders don't care about function. That's the other thing we need to real, realize. Yeah, yeah, it's not a factor. No, they don't care. Like, oh, great, great. It's changing the recruitment pattern in my, you know, my shoulders. Or okay, my hands can't handle the twenty sets I do for my back. I don't care. I'm yeah. going on stage, yeah, yeah. so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Next question is from just a girl in her Jeep. 
Should I use a weight belt or just work on strengthening my core and proper breathing? Yeah, very, oh, very similar, similar question. Right? Yeah. Yes. You know, <laughs> if, same answer if you're going to use a belt in competition, then you're going to want to train with a belt because it's a specific skill and it's a specific core recruitment pattern. Everybody else avoid belts. By the way, this is coming from someone who uses heavy, uh, a weight belt when I do heavy deadlifts or squats. Why do I use a belt for heavy deadlifts and squats? I did it for so long that I don't feel like taking two years out of my training to train myself to not use it. That's literally how long it'll take. I've yeah. been training since I was a kid. And when I was, I think I was 15 or 16, that's the story I talk about when I ran into those power lifters. And they're the ones that, oh, you got to use a belt or whatever. So then from 16 till you know now, I've been using this belt and I've gone through stints without, without using it. And I know it would literally take me a couple years of training without a belt and I don't care at this point. But to the average person, you're better, way better off developing the type of core stability that you need to train without a belt. And it's different. When your core braces without a belt, it's a different recruitment pattern than mm -hmm. when it braces with a belt. When it braces with a belt, it pushes out against the belt. That does not do that well, when you don't have a belt Well, it's interesting you say that because I'm probably in the opposite uh, uh, where I've actually done. It's been maybe since high school where the last time I've really like trained with a belt and like heavy mm -hmm. squats and um, like, I feel like I've lost that ability to, uh, brace that way by pushing out. And so like, that would be like so unnatural for me that it would like take me forever to go through the process of, you know, like working in that, uh, you know, when I squat. So, uh, I think again, this is, this is, uh, one of those things, like if, if you're competing with it, it makes sense. Um, and it's, it's just at one of those things. I don't think that you need it if you train and develop it all the way up without one, but um, there's, again, there's places for it. Yeah. This is the same answer for me as the last question. Um, again, I, you, the last time I used a belt, you probably can look back on my Instagram and actually see, cause I would put, do post of showing the audience like, Hey, I'm using a belt today just yeah. to test my strength. Right. Um, I don't care about that right now. I'm not trying, I'm nowhere near my top strength on any of my lifts right now. So I haven't used a belt in whatever that post is. I'm going to guess it's been well over a year or two since I've probably used it. Um, but again, intermittently, I use that just like straps. There was, there's been times when same, just like my shoes. Uh, for the most part, 90% of my training is you know flat shoes and or or barefoot and strapless and beltless. But all four of those things I utilize occasionally. And a lot of times I do it because purely for ego, I want to see what I can put up that day. I want to see if I have a little bit of support underneath my uh, my heels so I don't so my, it doesn't stress my ankle mobility as much. I got plenty of room. Uh, I want to feel that. Uh, sometimes I want to throw the belt on and maybe stack an extra 50 pounds on there just to feel that heavy ass weight. Sometimes I lifted really, really heavy the day before. My forearms are fried, but I still want to rip deadlifts and I get the straps out. But yep. very, very... Rarely, especially right now, since my goals are not geared around aesthetics or strength really right now. It's more about health. Um, and then back to a point one of you made already, I've never had a client utilize a belt or straps. I've only had now, a couple. Yeah, yeah, now you've done a lot of work with your ankle mobility, and that's been more secure, and you're, you got the depth to go with that and everything. Now, in, in terms of each one of those aids, which one do you think now, after putting work in, uh, you'd probably see the most help from that aid versus maybe one doesn't have quite as much of an impact. Ooh, that's a really interesting question. Um, and it, one, I think we would have to first break down the lift, right? So if we were depends talking- Depends on the lift, huh? Right, yeah. yeah. So like if it's a deadlift, the belt has got to be, or the right. straps. Yeah, the straps. Yeah, yeah arguably the straps, because I'd say right now my limiting factor of doing 400 pounds would not be 
my core or back, it would be my, my hands mm. probably couldn't hold 400 pounds right now, but I think my back and hamstrings and glutes are strong enough. Um, the, the, uh, the shoes are big. Were way bigger than I ever thought. Sal introduced me to uh, yeah, heels. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> he got Ironically, me. the yeah. introduced heels of the shoe guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had never, I had never used squat shoes in my life before. This is where this is pre Adam knows he has a ankle mobility problem, right? So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't recognize it yet. And I thought, well, that's so weird. What, what why would these help? I did it, and I was like, whoa! I felt so much more comfortable. Mm -hmm. But that also what, what led me to realize, like, oh shit, I have an issue with ankle mobility because. Yep. All he did was raise my heels up, and all of a sudden the squat felt Same better. Same here. I did him, and I'm like, why am I squatting better? I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. That's why I have flat feet. So now when I actually – so to get to your point, Justin, if I go back, like let's say squatting right now, because I can get really good deep, a depth barefoot right now pretty comfortably. It does feel a little more comfortable with with, uh, with squat shoes because you obviously have – I have even more room. Uh, but it doesn't, I don't feel like it, like I'm not adding any more weight really yeah. anymore because of the heels. Where in the past, the squat shoes would, I could be, add more weight because right. of the squat shoes, not anymore. Okay. The belt though, uh, I can still get probably another 25 pounds up because of that. And so that would help me in squatting big time. Actually, so I feel the belt, you brought up deadlifting. The belt helps me more with squatting. Uh, the straps would help me more with deadlifting. Mm -hmm. For the, so, um, but very minimal and I don't care now. So I don't actually use any of them ever right now. Next question is from Cole Kosnick. Are there any proven benefits to taking ashwagandha? Yeah, that's that's actually a pretty well-studied supplement. It's got lots of benefits. It raises testosterone in men with low testosterone. Um, and it's got this it's hormone. Also, it's also in your green juice you were talking about earlier, It is. Right? It's in the Organifi green juice. They put our, our, uh, ashwagandha in there. And it, it's got this hormone balancing effect to where it's called an adaptogen because the negative effects that you get from a lot of stress can be quite blunted by supplementing with ashwagandha. It's almost like it gets your body to utilize cortisol better, so your body doesn't raise cortisol as much. So you see studies that where it'll lower cortisol in, in high-stressed individuals. You, you see studies showing that it improves recovery and strength and muscle gains in athletes. It's one of those few like natural supplements that has a pretty good effect. Now, there may be cases where you don't want to take ashwagandha. I think if you have like a nightshade allergy or intolerance, you probably don't want to supplement with ashwagandha. But it's it's like, okay, so you know how ginseng is for, for Chinese medicine? Like ginseng is like the king, you know, of, of supplements or herbs or whatever in Chinese medicine. Ashwagandha is like that for Ayurvedic medicine. It's one of those like vitality, libido, energy, strength, uh, recovery, improves sperm motility and sperm production in men. So it's a pretty phenomenal supplements one of the few, it's one of the things that you'll probably if you have everything else dialed so this in this is a herb like what kind of plant is this oh, i don't remember i don't know what it looks like plant or i know it, is it a root a root yeah i know it smells it's i think in fact yeah if you do the pure i've had the pure stuff which blows my mind you mean the Again, liquid yeah the yeah, liquid yeah, oh it tastes like a, like alcohol or I something think you're taking if i'm not mistaken like rubbing alcohol they called it i think if i'm not mistaken in ayurvedic medicine they call it like horse piss or something like that because it smelled <laughs> Really bad, or they make comments. Oh, wow. Yeah, I have I have the dropper at home. Um, I had I got that before we started working with Organifi and their their green juice, and it's like, oh my god, it's it's gnarly. Yeah, it's um, it's not I, a root, Doug. Yeah, it's a root. Oh, yeah, there it is, right there. Okay. Mark one up, Doug. For me. Look yep. up uh, like like ashwagandha, like horse 
pee or horse something because it was like this funny. Now, do you uh, what? What's your thoughts on maybe that's why you feel so good on the green juice? Do you think that that may be playing uh, as much or more of a role than the fact of you just getting your vegetables that you? Your it's all of it. It's all. I love ashwagandha. It's it's a supplement that I'll cycle in mm -hmm. uh, to my supplement regime. You know what's really good with ashwagandha is a stimulant because it's got that natural stress balancing effect. So if you're taking like a really strong pre-workout, take like a little bit of ashwagandha with it and you get this nice balancing effect. I notice uh, recovery from it. Really, yeah. like I can definitely increase my volume if I'm supplementing uh, with ashwagandha. So it's a, it's a very interesting supplement. If you have issues with cortisol, um, you may want to adv get advice from a, a practitioner, an expert, because I know it definitely can change the way your body, body utilizes cortisol, which may be one of the reasons why it's known as this kind of adaptogenic um, herb. Uh, but yeah, it's one of those. So do you think it'd be equal in terms of like uh, mushrooms and their uh, sort of uh, like adaptogenic, yeah, cordyceps type of a, an effect, or is it a little bit even greater? The studies are better with ashwagandha right now. Mm. You know, oh, really? Yeah. You know, it's, it, what's interesting though, um, with herbs is that they can have a pretty interesting different effect from person to person. So like uh, red, they call it red panics ginseng, right? That's the like the real, because there's American ginseng. Those aren't real ginsengs. They call them that. But the real ginseng is this red panics kind of uh, Chinese ginseng. And it's got this, you know, supposed to be stimula stimulating effect and it's got adaptogenic properties. I take ginseng and I feel, I don't feel good. It makes me hot and feverish and mm. I feel kind of bogged down. I had a Chinese uh, herbalist tell me that it was because I had a lot of yang energy and it just makes your yang go up even more. And so I was unbalanced. That's the way they explained it. Um, rhodiola can yeah, do that to me. hot, right? And that's how somebody described it to me. Something like that, too. right? Yeah. Uh, rhodiola is like that too. Rhodiola is a stimulant. It's got great. Uh, studies. One, Rhodiola suck. can make me feel like crap too. I feel like shit when I take that. Yeah, I've tried that so many times. Thinking you and I it. both. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. can do that to me too. Ashwagandha, I feel great. Um, but again, it's there's this, it's interesting with some of these herbs. How with some people they can feel great and other people can't. And the reason why I'm saying this is don't do what I did, which is, you know, when I was younger, I would read these studies and I would take the supplement and I'd be so hard headed about it. So I'd be like, I feel like crap, but I'm going to keep taking it. Not realizing, like, oh, it's probably this this herb that I'm taking that's supposed to be great, but it's making me. You feel should like crap. find us like a super woo woo person to come on here and like break down like all the herbs. Yeah. You know what the problem? Ayurvedic with, uh, yeah. practitioner. Yeah, cool. someone like who's like a, a woo woo and all of it. You know well, what I'm saying? They name? can just be like, what's his name? Our functional practitioner guy that we've had on a couple times. Oh, so would he be able to break it down? Cabral? Steve Dr. Cabral. Cabral is, yeah. He's an expert. You know what the problem is? Is that if if they talk in Ayurvedic terms or they talk in Chinese medicine terms. Yeah, people will scoff at it. Well, not that they're going to talk about like. Eh, who cares? We'll t we'll yeah. take care of that. But I, see, I, what I want to do is I want to see like the actual, uh, you know, double blind placebo controlled studies, mm -hmm. and I want someone to break those down. There's a lot of them, right? Well, that's what I mean. But I want somebody, somebody who who knows that, yeah. right? That can tell us, like, like you just asked a great question, like, what would what is considered better, cordyceps or ashwagandha? Yeah. Now you gave kind of your personal opinion on yeah. that, but I love someone to say like, oh no, there's way more research to support this for these reasons, and. But, I mean, it would be cool to have someone like that Yeah, on I'm there. with you on that. Yeah. Look, if you like our information, head over to mindpumpfree.com and check out all of our guides. We have guides that can help you with almost any fitness or health goal. You can also find all of us on social media. Instagram, in fact. Uh, you can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin, 
me at Mind Pump Sal and Adam at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.